food for thought for everyone is how can we change the mindset for sports to become more as a human right. So, so everyone should have access to sports and everyone should benefit of the outcomes of, of physical activity. Okay, That Tech Show is welcome to another episode of That Tech Show with me, Chris Adams. And who are you again? Kylie Minogue. <laughs> are you actually not going to introduce yourself today? All right, then. Hi, hi Sam. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, this week on the show, we have Francisco Baptista of Team Sports, who speaks to us about being born in the war-torn country of Angola, where he developed a love of grassroots sports. He'll be telling us about how he blended his passion for tech and sports to create a digital personal trainer. Yeah, this is a cool conversation about innovation, startups, pivoting and bringing new ideas to life. Specifically getting uh, his digital personal trainer startup off the ground and how it was refined from a hardware solution into a software solution and how it tracks your form and performance with just the camera on your phone. And what's really interesting about this episode, I think, is his journey and how the business is fueled by his passion and drive. And I think anyone working on a startup or thinking up a new idea will draw inspiration from listening to Francisco. Lovely. Well, with that, how are you doing, Chris? I'm doing all right. So we've had a bit of a wholesome weekend, haven't we? We uh, we spent some time together in person rather than digitally. Indeed, indeed. Actually, my hand is hurting from painting your walls, so I think you... Uh, yeah, I roped, roped you into some DIY of painting my hallway. Pay, paying me in pizza. <laughs> oh, yeah, paying you in pizza, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so, helping me clean my garage. I think I have just dust still in my in my uh, in, in my lungs from from all of that sweeping we had to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a nice change because, like I mentioned, like I think we're sat at a desk all day every day, and uh, it's nice to actually use muscles and and lift things <laughs> and use different parts of your brain. It just sort of resets you a little bit. And uh, but it was it yeah. was good to spend some time uh, spend some time together. You helped me m- progress massively with the house, which is great. Yeah. Uh, lots of painting done. You didn't have to repaint the walls then? No, I haven't gone back and redone all of your work. Don't worry about that. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's probably enough from us. I think we've waffled on. Um, and we've got a great conversation coming up. So uh, let's hear from Francisco. Lovely. Hey, it's Francisco. I'm the founder of Team Sports, a sports AI platform for grassroots and amateur sports. I'm a software engineer by heart, and I am a basketball player. So Team Sports is a bit of a combination of a profession and a hobby all mixed together into, into something. Nice. So for the listeners, uh, you can't see this, but Francisco is wearing a fabulous Lakers uh hoodie so he basketball through and through i can uh true and the listeners won't see that kobe bryant signed the basketball for me there you go avid kobe bryant fan as well so wow that's a, that's a significant piece of memorabilia now that it is yeah i know uh, funnily enough i nearly sold it um because you know strap for cash and startup life goes and uh and i'm glad i didn't yeah hang on to that one um we always like to just get a bit of background on our guests uh, before we, we get into the meat of it. Um, talk us through kind of what led you up to to this point of um, developing AI software for uh, grassroots sports. Sure. So I was born in Angola and, you know, throughout Civil War, uh, basketball, seeing my mum news, newspaper clippings of her winning local trophies, basketball always been sort of a passion for me. And I and I go there back in time because I think that's really where this originated. Really, 
Uh, I play, I was lucky that I was I lived in Brazil. I studied my secondary school in Brazil. I'm half Portuguese, half Angolan, and so then I didn't want to pursue my uh, daddy's choice for my profession as a vet, and decided to pursue my career as a software engineer. Moved to Portugal to be with my mom and the rest of the family, where I started as a software engineer, and then continued my career into UK as a software engineer, and later on as sort of a technical manager technical program manager managing teams both here in UK and in US. But the, the only constant throughout my life has been that I always play basketball. I still play here in Hertfordshire, um, second division team. And, and so team sports effectively, it is definitely some of the, the pain points that I felt as a basketball player throughout my life, as an amateur basketball player that I felt throughout my life. And how can I put my skills to use to solve some of those, those pain points? Nice. And when you say software engineer, what, what tech stack were you kind of using? What was... Sure. Actually, I started as a Delft. So let's go back a bit. So I started <laughs> as a QBasic. So my first piece of software was a QBasic typing software that I put together to help my schoolmates to learn to type with both hands and gain some speed on typing. There was a text, you know, to the side, um, a random text and then sort of a, a simple editor, and they would measure how many keystrokes per second. And then I learned Delphi, Delphi 5. I don't know if you anyone knows what Delphi is today. It was a programming language by Borland, uh, the company. And then I jumped into PHP with advent of the internet around 2000, 2001, with PHP Nuke and other sort of early days management sort of website management tools, which weren't really a reality then. And I've been mostly a backend developer with a bit of Python in the mix, um, but mostly a backend developer with a sort of PHP, Pulse scripts, Python scripts, uh, that sort of stuff, yeah. Mm. I used Python for the first time the other day, and I've got to say, it's a lovely little language. It is, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, uh, built like a little web scraper, and it was just like an hour of work or two hours of work. It was like, what? <laughs> no, no, yeah. Most importantly, if you come back a year later, you'll still be able to read that code nicely. Yeah, well, there we go. So I look forward to future me enjoying that scraper. Do you ever miss the kind of coding side and development side? I mean, you might even be doing it now, but in that context. Uh, I did miss. So I think as my career migrated sort of naturally into sort of more sort of an, a tech admin sort of type of role, I did miss, you know, being able to get, be hands-on. But I think one thing that I've gained by forcing myself not having access to sort of repos, et cetera, whilst I was managing teams was my soft skills and sort of the ability to influence people without writing code. Even though in my head, I might be translating everything sort of, yeah, I know exactly what are you going to tell me next sort of thing. But um, I think that was great for me to gain a lot of those soft skills and sort of people skills uh, which generally as, as a developer, in all ways you have got the opportunity to have. But at Team Sports, you know, I started on my own for a year and a half. So I was writing code and I taught myself how to train models and how to, to get things up up and running. And then things became easier as I brought in my, my CTO. Funnily enough, my CTO is the guy that gave me my first job when I was a young lad in Portugal. So, so we go back sort of literally a full circle, right? And I used to work for him. And now we work together to build team sports. Um, but no, I, I still write code. So I like to think it's a 50-50 split, depending how late I stay awake, um, that might change. But all the backend side of, of team sports is still you know, owned and maintained by me. 
uh, most of the front end and mobile side is maintained by the rest of the developers. Yeah. Chris, who was our guest who was a self-described manager coder person? And what's, what term was it? It was, code, it was the code in space episode. Was it executive coder? That was that request. Executive coder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Trawling through my memory of 40 plus episodes. <laughs> I need to listen to that one. Executive code. I am not an executive coder yet. I think I want to get I want to get to that place that when I'm sort of writing code by by request. I don't even know what executive coder does. But yeah. <laughs> I would say you are as someone who's at that executive level, you know, someone who's able to, you know, do all that, but also is still able to get their hands dirty and write code. So that sounds like you to me. Yeah, I know. If you speak to my lead developers, they probably <laughs> would rather, would rather I don't touch the code and stay with the executive level. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, it's a matter of opinion, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's really cool. And we'll get to uh, team sports as well, because it's good to understand like, kind of where you're coming from. And it was, it was funny, I was having a conversation today about those soft skills when it comes to, you know, engineers and, and their manager, because some, sometimes they're just, they're just not cut out for it. And that's, that's totally fine, but it's definitely something that does not come naturally to, to a lot of engineers. And you seem to have lent right into that and picked up the, uh, picked up the skills. So it's, it's sort of all coming together where kind of team sports come from. So we, we have a lot of listeners who are business owners themselves and, and they love to hear that kind of transformation piece. Obviously, basketball has been playing a, a role in your, uh, in your life. When did the transition happen or, or start to happen into team sports? I mean, looking back, I have a diagram on my, on my notepad from four years ago. So I think... Like many amateur um, players, you know, we were keen on having data. We, we find ways to track data through many wearables, through Strava. And, and I, I guess the realization really came by just stepping back and seeing that we were, as a team, we were attempting to do that. We were all keen to sort of understand a little bit of our performance, understand a little bit of what else could we do beyond the practice and the game, um, where they went for a run and we tracked that with travel, whatever it might be. So we were already keen, sort of, there is an appetite for that sort of technology. And then it was just one step closer to say, hold on, why don't we have one? To realize how underserved sort of the, the, the sports market was. So I would say, you know, I stumbled into it because we were already having those pain points and, and, and there wasn't sort of was just a, a eureka moment sort of stepping back and thinking hold on you know this could work because he's already working somehow but it's not brought in together and put in together as a as a platform as a solution etc and so there I, I guess this is sort of the, the very beginning of team sports but um what you might not know is that team sports started as a hardware solution not as a software solution no ai whatsoever so we I spent most of my savings on developing an ultra-wideband wearable um, that worked indoors. So we could track a player running a hundred times better than a GPS uh, because of the sensors, you know, in the court, uh, tracking the ultra-wideband uh, tag, let's say, uh, wearable running. And that was interesting. So there were there was many learnings from there, um, including how expensive it is to start a business, um, how expensive it is to you know, commission hardware and reduce the size of a, of the, of a PCB. 
how much crude when you go down to the ship level that you start realizing sort of that sort of abstraction that we benefit as developers with with platforms and uh, and Django and other sort of frameworks higher level frameworks none of that exists right you're literally close to to the chipsets and you realize actually you need to build sort of an API before you can build some sort of a logic before you can build a product so how far away you are but also sort of how humble I had to become to ask for help, ask for the teammates. So I had I had to connect about eight sensors around the basketball court that was rented for an hour. So I had five minutes to put a, a three meters high sensors all around the court, connected to a small computer, uh, and then give the, the the tags to everyone so they could while they were practicing or playing, I could collect enough data and take it all off. Uh, before before the next team came and rent the court, right? And the learnings were not just about sort of the effort, you know, that you took to do that, and sort of how, you know, how much we learn in doing in doing it so, but also that the business model just wouldn't wouldn't stand because amateur teams rent a court that belongs to a sports hall or to a school, etc., and so they don't own that venue. So effectively, I had to develop a business model that I was selling team sports or the census to a court, which is often the schools, privacy concerns, etc. Even if it's a ultra wide band, there's no cameras, it's just radio waves, and the, the sensor does absolutely nothing unless there is a sort of a tag running in, in between. Picking up on those signs of those would be big barriers. Like if I had to go into a local council just so that a school enables some of those um, sensors in, in, in the venue, let alone scaling the rest of the business, which is selling the, the wearables to the players. So, and, and, and that effectively picking up on those signs, sort of like, this is not going to stand. And we pivot to, to a software solution only using computer vision and machine learning. But yeah, le- lessons learned. <laughs> It's quite an interesting pivot to make as well from being uh, fully hardware to fully software. Did you, was there an overlap, a period of overlap where you were using both or was it, was it? No, there wasn't. So it felt like, you know, a gut wrench sort of throwing away a year and a half and about, I think, 67,000 pounds on the hardware development. So, you know, I think the best way to think about is sort of, I am dreaming team sports for me is a reality. Um, And I remember... You know, three or four years ago, I was introduced to someone that I admire, Amanda McKenna. It took me about maybe three or four months and we could get a coffee. And for me, in my head, team sports was the thing, you know, it's literally just needed to make it happen. Um, naivety, I guess, or, or, or belief uh, in sort of, you know, on something. And, uh, and I remember very clearly we met, uh, we work next to the Guardian office. And she said to me after, we, you know, introductions, et cetera, I talked about this amazing solution for amateur teams. And she said, you know, we don't have anything. You don't have anything. You don't have a business. You don't have anything. You just have an idea in your head. And it, for me, it was sort of like, what just happened here? And then she said, you know what, but I'm not going to leave you alone and we're going to have one call a month. And we pretty much had one call a month for now three years or so where she effectively helped me really understand sort of what are the next steps. And it's that coaching that often I think, I speak to other entrepreneurs that are where I was and and they struggle to, to get basics of that guidance and sort of understand that actually having an idea is one thing. Execution of that idea 
you know, can take all sorts of routes, you know, whether hardware was one, but that, you know, software only is one, but who knows what could be actually the, the true route or the, to deliver what I think is what TeamSports, you know, should be as a vision. And Amanda helped me do that free of charge. So literally just one call where I'm sort of, this is what I'm thinking. This is my problems. This is my existential crisis. You know, what should I do next? And this is what I'm thinking. And really admire sort of that sort of, you know, she always took in everything and put things black and white in front of me and uh, sort of without, you know, too much flowers around it. And that really sort of helped me think about actually let me step let me let me do this i might not understand but let me try to build a, a business model let me try to forecast let me try to and sort of you end up having to do things that effectively at least make you understand to yourself you know what exactly is that you're doing and where you are or that you know then what are you dreaming about right so it brings you know things to the ground and uh, and and that, that was very helpful and later on obviously with further investment in all the investors that also um, spend a lot of time with me you know sort of help sort of understand exactly what is the reality what is what does it mean a go to market and what what do you need to do and sort of and, and those things make a huge difference and made a huge difference for me having the team what was was key to, to get that and having the team buying in at no salary uh, also doing a side hustle you know for for a year plus of course help but this is sort of what it she meant I don't have anything because I didn't have a team, you know, I didn't had a, a business plan that, you know, sort of forecast and demonstrate that I've got a business. There was no traction. There was no, it was a rough prototype. You know, there was no confirmation that prototype would work. How do you scale the hardware? How do you replace broken hardware and so on and so on. So force you thinking about those things. And that really was really helpful. Yeah. Supposed pivot then. You're now heading down a, a software route. Well, talk to us a little bit about what you've got now, and then how you actually how you actually managed your your way from that pivot to to where you are now. Yeah, so uh, I think the best thing we've done, and I think um, lack of resources for us was a bless more than a curse. It feels like a curse, but it was a bless because we were in such a tight corner that we needed to be creative on how we leverage what our players and coach have, which is mainly a lack of resources. And so we wanted to build a solution that actually worked with what people have and the resource they have, then a solution that imposed an additional cost, i.e. need to buy a new wearable and, or I need to go to a court where this hardware is enabled or that sort of, that sort of stuff. And so we knew that the only resource all players and coaches had were their phones. But we also knew that by training a few models using YOLO3 and using a little bit of TensorFlow, that there is a limit how many models you can run on the phone without burning the battery and you can't really hold it. It gets too hot. So we were really in a tight corner. You know, We had a business model that we were adamant that we needed to make it work, i.e. price is the key entry to barrier to sports technology, hands down, anything else. I mean, there are problems with leadership and other, other things and people don't really see sports as a human right, which they should. But that aside, we knew that if this wasn't affordable for everyone anywhere, it wouldn't work. So 
that forced us into a corner where we had to think about, okay, so let's think about we only run one model on a phone. So today, Team Sport is one model running on a phone. And we wrote our own algorithm that interprets what the output of that, that machine learning model is doing and does the calculation, then count your stats, et cetera. And it runs on your phone as well. No video archiving, no distribution, because also that would break our business model, right? Uh, if I had to you know, record you doing the exercise, stream to the cloud, you know, dealing with network issues, latency, you know, analysis in a cloud, back to the resort. So, so today, Team Sports is private, and, and, and no many business can say that because uh, London Sports partner with Team Sports, actually our first paid partnership with London Sports two years ago, and they deployed it to 21 satellite clubs. But you know, those were uh, the youth in, in sort of deprived areas and the fact that you can open your camera stream, do a, a physical activity, and at the end of it, you only get some stats and your coach gets some stats. That is the sort of privacy that we don't see in many business today. Yes, we had requests to use video. You know, can I see myself doing the exercise? It's like, actually, we're not really in a sports entertainment business. You know, Facebooks and Googles of, of the world, they can't police video, right? They struggle. And people can record video. They do the most uh, crazy things that exist in the planet. Uh, and we didn't want to deal with that. But again, it meant that we need to make technical solutions that fit our, our mission and is to enable a solution for everyone anywhere. And there brings the creativity and that brought in sort of what we have today, which is uh, an AI-enabled business at, that doesn't break the bank. So, so talk to us, for those who are listening and don't know what Team Sports is, what, what does the app actually do at this point? Because you previously, you, you know, you're tracking data for people using the hardware. Now you've gone completely away from that. You're running stuff on a phone. But how does it work? How, what are we actually seeing here? Sure. So Team Sports uh, works in two ways. So um, Team Sports is for teams, which means the coach is very much part of that journey. So the coach has an interface that is a web interf responsive interface where they can manage the team schedule games attendance, all the sort of the, the basic organizational stuff that enables teams to come together. Once the coach has invited the players to team sports platform, the players who download the app, join their teams, see their teammates, understand um, you know, what is the schedule games and practices when they're going to happen, accept, decline, you know, all sort of that good, you know, coming together stuff. Now, the, the second part of this is that because we've got an, an AI-enabled app to track sports, so you can do basketball drills, the skills exercises on the app to increase your ball, ball, ball handle and ball control, but also do some conditioning exercise. So you can do push-ups, sit-ups, squats, diamond push-ups, and the app will actually track those for you. So no self-reporting, which increases that accountability with your coach. So if the coach says, hey, Chris, you know, your upper body strength, those rebounds are really, really, really terrible in the last game. You've got to do some, some push-ups. You go home, you, you point the, the phone to yourself on your app, on your own time in the office. You know, are we work? I've done, I've done push-ups at train station, so don't blame me. So <laughs> you will see people doing exercises everywhere very soon. Uh, at your own time, at your own pace, you will do your exercises. The most important is that you can see your stats. Your teammates on, your, on the app can see that you, you, you're putting on the, on the work. But most important, your coach can see that. So next time you come to practice again, coach knows you, you've got some more minutes there because you, you definitely put on the time and I want to see if that worked with your rebounding uh, on a game. So, so that is 
the, the second part of team sports. And the third part of team sports is sort of what happened during the game. How do we understand? How can we learn for what happened during the game? And so our coaches have been recording their games using their phones, handheld on a tripod. We, we don't really care how, how they record the games. They upload the game into the platform and they can do some tagging and labeling in, 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 on that video, which generates stats, games, assists, pass, dunks, you know, um, crosses, you know, whichever sport you're using, uh, generate stats, which again, come into the app for you as a player. And you guys can see after the game, so what really happened. And then we're going to go beyond that. We're going to generate highlights and insights. So you can actually see 20 second snippets of the dunk of the game or the pass of the game or the goal of the game or whatever it might be, right? So create the loop and feedback between coaches and players to have that meaningful conversation around training and development, around gaming and development, uh, as well as organization. So that's team sports. So on tracking, um, you know, the view of a game, you're able to see however many players there might be on the pitch, whether it's what, 22 people or more or less, depending on what game it is. Yeah, so that's, that's a very good question. So um, there's a couple of things here so to address. So one is that we do not discriminate on how you're going to record your game. So you could not see the whole pitch, but have someone pointing to where the action is and point to where the, the, you know, the players and the ball are on the pitch. The most important is that our coach can make something out of that video, not me, nor sort of how the platform is dictating. They might want to just create three highlights of their game, nothing else. Or they might want to actually see the whole game and say, you know what, I'm going to just follow Samuel to see what Samuel is doing and let me do some analysis on, on a specific player or could be the whole game under everyone else. So do as much, as, as little as you want. And the reason why we want this to be the way it is is because, remember, I said earlier, we don't want to have a custom hardware camera solution that does something magical and see the whole pitch, et cetera, et cetera. Because what we can see of that in the market is uh, other companies trying to do something like that. And I came from a hardware business, right? I know how much they have invested in their business model and in developing their hardware and developing their business. And that is the reason why they can cannot, can they cannot compete with us. Because even when they try to sell their cameras to amateur teams, and we've got coaches coming to us and say, We've got a view camera and they can't afford the second camera because they have got the under 14, the under 16, the under 18, and then the men's one team, they bought one camera because sort of entry point cheap, but actually they've got multiple teams playing with one camera only. That doesn't work. They can't record all the games. And so suddenly they're stuck into a business model, which is not designed for them. And we said, hold on, everyone has a phone, just put on a tripod and record your game and make do with, with what you want with that video, whether you sort of moving around, whether you are, you know, have got a, a viewpoint and you can elevate your, your phone and see the majority of the court. For a five-a-side football, a netball or a basketball court, any phone can see the whole court with a ultra-wide zoom, which most phones nowadays have. So. so the AI in this at the moment then, is that coming into being able to track players and keep track of them as they move around the pitch? Um, at some point, definitely will. At the moment, no. So the AI is only using on a phone for you to train and exercise. Right. Okay. So it, I, I noticed on on your site as well it talks about body form. Is that in is that integrated yet, or is that something that's coming up then? 
is coming up. So we're very, very, very close. So we already have an algorithm that understands tolerances on your form. Um, and we're very close to be able to give you a form score at every rep. Remember, the training and the analysis happening on your phone, not on the cloud. So if you're doing a squat and you're doing it wrongly or you're, t- or you're tilting forward or, or slouching as you, as you go down, you'll be able to see visually or having your audio cue, cues for you to, to pull your, your, your body back. So not a after exercise, your form was 60%. like, okay, but when it was, it was at the beginning, was at the end, was in the middle. So we will give you a feedback at every rep on where you are and if your form is not quite right. I think it's worth adding, Chris, here, some of those things are pretty cool and so much we can do with our existing technology already. We know how many times you exercise, you know your exercise pattern, you know how much you can or cannot do. And we could write a, you know, a, a, an algorithm that sort of drives your, your performance up. But we, Team Sports, we've refrained from doing that because we don't want to be anyone's coach. And, and Team Sports can never understand the human context on why your performance is up or why your performance is down. So having an algorithm that sort of tries to push your performance up are the mistakes that we see in some in the fitness apps, et cetera, where sort of good is always you know, more. And, and we don't think that's the case. That is a, an element of lo- load management. And there is no one better than your coach. He knows you got engine in the last game. He's not going to expect you to do, you know, go for a two miles run, whatever, next week, even though this was the goal to do. He's, he's okay. He's like, doesn't matter. Your coach and your teammates know you got engine last game. Team sports has no idea of that human context and element. And so what, what we want to be is we, we, we're placed better by in, enabling a technology that adds more meaning to that conversation and that existing connection and enables coaches to influence your performance, understand your performance and vice versa. And, and even the form is something that we apply in tolerance, et cetera, but we already seen kids need much higher tolerances. Is this the wrong form? Is it the right form? They're not going to get injured and doing a push-up or two. And they're never going to be able to do 100. So there is, there is always a degree that, that I don't think is a place for team sports. In fact, I get push notifications. I've got all sorts of sports apps, as you can imagine. Uh, and I get push notifications of things like, dude, why are you wasting you know, carbon in, in a planet? Like this, don't push notifications like this because you, know, you just don't understand. You know, I'm not even interested in your app. And no many notifications for me to do more and be more active will, will, will ever push me. However, if my coach said so, oh, yeah, there's no doubt I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so are you, are you integrating with, like, existing wearables and things then to, to actually get, like, heart rate data and, you know, other things like that? Uh, I like to say we are. We do have that in our, in our pipeline. Our first integration with Strava, we're just nearly completing our integration with Strava. We think that is a, a clear benefit for us as a product there with Strava, where um, you gain distance um, and pace into your stats for you and your teammates to see and your coach, because um, some players and some some coaches prefer the players to go for a run and get their cardio up um, than, than sort of do push-ups or sit-ups or squats. Um, and so that is a very clear benefit for us as a product to integrate with Strava and get distance uh, in place. We are considering integrating beyond that with Aura, et cetera. We, 
with Aura does an amazing job on predicting, you know, period and, and female athletes, et cetera. There's something, an area that I'm very curious about and sort of, and we have got the capacity to pull that data into our platform. But I'm also mindful that, you know, I don't want to turn team sports platform in sort of a data heavy that data analysts will love it. So we're not building team sports for data analysts. We're building for everyone anywhere. And, and you know, we've got coaches that come, but I've got this company that they can give me 30 or 100 data points on this hardware solution. I said, that's fantastic. But do you need the 100 points or you need two data points? And do you, do you want the quantity? Because we collect about maybe closer to half a million data points if you do one minute of exercise in our in, in the app whilst you're doing some push-ups and squats. Now, there is plenty of data to go, go around and do all sorts of analysis and come up with all sorts of creative ways to show, but how much really can your brain retain when you are a coach of uh, one team is 30 players? So if you are a coach of five teams, uh, how, how many data points do you really need on all those players? in order to make the decisions that will sort of propel and, and continue developing uh, those players sort of as, as an athlete and having fun as well, et cetera. So it's, it becomes sort of something kind of data rich, data heavy, and, and we're not building something like that. We, we're building something to enable grassroots to have access to things that only professionals have, but, you know, that, but without thinking that we can take these to shove a second out of a 43-year-old such as myself I don't want to shove a second on any sprint that I do on courts. Like maybe my coach would like me to, but <laughs> maybe I would like to, but no, that's not what that's not going to happen for me. So you mentioned about the AI before. I mean, how are you, obviously the form isn't, form stuff isn't in there just yet, but it's coming. But for, um, for the videos that you've got, how are you turning those videos into a set of data points? Like, and, and which, which ones did you think were useful? And which ones have actually turned out to be useful? <laughs> uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. So um, we started with, first, obviously, we started with what we could track. Uh, we started with reps and sessions and duration of the exercises. And then we added speed. And we added speed sort of in terms of overall uh, duration of the session, the number of reps. And, and these, are just, these are just coming from a video then? You can determine the number of reps and the speed, et cetera, from the video? Yeah. So and when you say video, it's not really video. It's just your camera. We don't record a video, right? So there is no video of you doing anything. So we literally open the camera view. You, you enable your camera and you're about to take a picture, but without pressing the, the button to take a picture. So, it's sort of, so we use the camera view live analyzing on your phone and then we close the camera view when you finish your exercise and you get some stats out of it. And your coach gets some stats. That, that's the same for the filming of the game as well. Well, not, not filming, but the, the watching of the game. No, that's a different aspect. So the, the watching the game is definitely someone recording a video and uploading it to the platform and doing some analysis. Uh, but when, when it comes to training and AI side and, and the stats that we're pulling through the AI on an individual training, it is done through the, the camera technology and our algorithm. So, so the camera's just watching you then, and you're able to take the data points from the cam from just from the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. Where is um where is your baseline of, for example, a squat? You know, take a squat for instance. You're you're then giving insights and whatever into whether your form is correct, whether you're slouching, as you mentioned. Where where are you getting that data from to know that? that is classed as a slouch is that completely bespoke that you've written or are there repositories out there that you know that want a, a certain 
vector point uh, structure that then it will tell you whether that's out of form. Yeah, it's, um, we're only recording audio, right? So it's a shame I, I can't do a demo. So <laughs> when we started, you know, pivoting to into machine learning, there, there were a few questions and actually how I built Sport that I sort of, in a way, refused to answer. One of the questions was, am I a B2B or a B2C business? So we are an API-enabled business, and so we can do both. And also, you know, we are not a basketball app. And we are a we are a sport, so we want to enable sports teams to to develop. So for for that, we knew that we couldn't hard code detecting ball control drill to sort of to be sort of specific to basketball. Neither train a model for it because we know there is a limita- limitation of resources on a model. So we literally developed a exercise editor, which I am happy to demo, where you can do the perfect squat or you think is a perfect squat because you are a coach and you're a trainer, you're a performance trainer, and you can do a perfect squat or demonstrate through a video on YouTube of someone doing a perfect squat. And we can add that video into our platform and we can literally, with a few clicks, we can decide what we want to track and apply tolerance to every part of the body and then save and then publish. No extra training needed, no anything. So we can actually track virtually exercises that we we might not even know of so how does a a wheelchair hockey player which exercises they do i don't know but um, they coach they coach know what they need to do to stay active and and to train they can load the video of that and say okay i can track this part of body doing this this and that and then i track doing this and this and here and apply certain tolerances because they either are kids or they are, you know, more mature players or whatever it might be. So their human context, team sport doesn't have it. But we created the tools to enable you to save and publish. And your your wheelchair hockey player will do an exercise with a content that is relatable, that tracks them doing what they think what they what they used to do without self-report and anything. So But for more common exercises, like you know, we've used squats as a theme. Uh, if, uh, if, if some coaches are able to, multiple coaches are going to be uploading, you know, this is what I think is a good squat. Are you able to merge those models together or do you not go in that direction? No. So what we want to get to is a place where, so this exercise editor become friendly enough that a coach might think, okay, my perfect squat is at a tolerance of five. And then you might say my perfect squat is with a tolerance of of 20. Tolerances, I mean, sort of, you know, within certain angles or positions of your body, you will have certain tolerances, right? And you'll be able to do that for your players because that's meaningful to your players and they can do it. And you that for you is ideal. And your other coach will do something else. But remember that team sports is not really involved in, in that decision, right? We're not deciding what a good squat is. So we, we provide you the tools that enable you to say, actually, my players are 13 years old, you know, they're neither going to do 20 squats at a time, and then I'm not sure they're ever going to be in the right form. So let me allow certain tolerances so they can still do the squats and get tracked. So I know they are active in doing the push-ups or squats and the same thing. And someone else might think, actually, this is not for, for us. Our, our team is a semi-pro and they should know how to do a squats. And if they know within 5% tolerances, you know, they, they off. Uh, the mark and and the app won't even count your spots. And and does the position of the camera make a difference when you're trying to view the forms? 
it, at the moment, it does make a difference. Uh, make a difference uh, because we sort of assume that you're going to fix your your phone sort of down below, sort of propped against the water bottle or something, and you're sort of on the on that on that angle to the camera. Um, but we are working on an algorithm that you could potentially lift your phone whilst you're doing your push-ups, and I can go around you with the phone, and it will count will count how many push-ups you're doing. So we started with being able to track a few exercises. Now we, tr we can track a lot more exercises, but also we can track a combination of sequence. So you could, we getting closer to a place where I, I can put my phone. I haven't decided what I want to do. You know, I'm not sure I want to do push-ups and I'm sure I'm going to do squats. I'm just going to put my phone, do a warm up, and then you start doing something. We get into a place where the algorithm will be able to use all those exercise configurations and be able to run through all of them and be able to figure out, oh, yes, I can see you doing some push-ups. Let me count that. And then, oh, you're not doing anything else. And then, oh, you start doing some squats. Let me count that. So we're now in a place where we can do a multi-sequence sort of exercise or, or sequences in a, a sequence of movement. So thinking about this generic sort of exercise of, of unknown nature sort of thing. But we, we are heading for a place where we, you'll be able to pick up your phone and go around someone doing the exercise, which will be fantastic because, you know, sometimes you are in a gym and you want to track that. You could potentially prop your phone. And remember, although you are in a gym, there might be other people there. There's no privacy concern, right? You know, there, there's no video of anyone. Sounds really, really impressive. Like, I think this is a, an incredible tool. You've you've mentioned uh, grassroots and your kind of your passions for it for you know a few times now and and obviously there's you you mentioned as well that the, the pros have access to this kind of technology. Where does your passion and where does your drive for grassroots sports stem from? Is that is that some is that more of a business decision or is that more of a passion? Well, obviously there needs there needs to be a merging of the two, but where, where does your passion lie with grassroots? I think I think the passion lies beyond sort of grassroots sports. I think the passion really is, you know, I, I wish sports was a human right because sports did wonders for my life. You know, having born in a, during a, a, a bloody civil war, and I, and I think for whatever reason, you know, sports still struggle. You know, to to be perceived as such a impactful activity with the an actual net positive to life outcomes and to the economy as a whole. Mm. I'm, I'm a firm believer that kind of making something accessible will drive um, a lot of, there's a lot of success that comes from that. So I come from a, from a website sort of background and world. And, and I, when you make a website accessible to as many people as possible, it makes for a better overall experience. And I think that going for that grassroots Basically, it's it's striving to force you to build a product that is accessible to many, many different people. And, you know, we talk about grassroots sports. They're not going to have massive budgets. They're not going to have huge, you know, in some instances, hugely committed uh, coaches and people that run those teams or whatever, because, you know, they're often sharing the um, responsibility between certain coaches and stuff like that. So those limitations, I think, being placed on you are, are Personally, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I think they're 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 driving you to build a better product. Oh, definitely, yeah. They they, they drive us to be more creative. Sort of sometimes it's in the smallest details. So, you know, Google Maps integration. Obviously, every time we need to ping the API, they will sort of 
chargers, let's say, you know, on a volume base, right? So, but now let's think about it. So, you know, a venue here, let's say in, in, in Hemel Hempstead, a, a local school is rented by multiple teams. The address doesn't change. If one of the teams comes into team sports and say, this is my address and we get all the geo coordinates from the Google API, we don't need to do it again because when the netball team that comes into team sports uses the same venue, we already have the geo coordinates. And so it's sort of thinking about those things cleverly enough within your business model and adjust the technology so that you're not, you know, not breaking the bank because it is so easy to make an integration with a system that you sort of, this is fantastic, this is amazing. And before you know it, oh, now, you know, there is no margin here. Now a very amount, you know, we, we're charging at three pounds and 99 pence per player per month on a monthly subscription and two pounds and 90 pence per, per month on a year subscription. That's like cheaper than a coffee. There is very little margin there. So we need to be super clever about that. And by doing so, we become very creative and we sort of stay true to our vision enabled for everyone, I guess, you know, anywhere. Yeah. I feel like it would be a miss if we just glossed over what you said about growing up in the midst of a war. Um, <laughs> Cause it feels like we've just passed that one by. Uh, um, where, which, which war was this and how did you end up making it to, to the UK? Good question. So uh, I was born in Angola. So Angola is a former Portuguese colony. Uh, in 1975, sort of forced its way through independence from the Portuguese, like many of other uh, other five countries in Angola did the same, and Brazil did the same, and etc. And as as you know, the independence of India was less bloody than the independence in Angola. But the only difference is that Angolans start fighting for power, and Angola is one of the richest countries in the southern hemisphere um, in, in Africa with vast resource of oil, and you can find diamonds with your bare hands if you ever watched the, the DiCaprio, sort of the bloody di- blood diamond movie, sort of, you know, you can find diamonds with your bare hands. So, so that level of resource brings a degree of greed from all nations of the world that fuel their civil war for... 40 plus years um, and so I was born and school being bombed and um, houses being flattened and you know bodies everywhere as sadly as it is you know uh, that was my reality until I was 17. So I, I presume there wasn't much of an opportunity to get involved with sports in the midst of a civil war and um, th- th- this is actually where it sort of I think is interesting so you need very little to sort of practice sports. So, you know, I didn't have a, a, a nice basketball hoop like I have got here in the garden. I had a, a wheel of a bike nailed to a, a wooden board and does the job and, and didn't ma- really matter if the ball was a little flat because there wasn't a store to buy another ball uh, or anything like that. So it's interesting. And, and I think that sort of constraint and, and, and creativity actually stems a lot from how I grew up. So I didn't have a store to go and buy a toy. We used to get empty cans of oil or anything and cut it up and build our own cars and our own toys. We did ourselves, not sort of an adult did for us because in a, in a mix of a war, you can imagine my dad with three kids had a lot more to deal with than I had. 
you know, as, as a young as a young kid, right? So so in that context, you would not be surprised that your parents are not that sort of helping you and holding your hand not to cut your fingers. They, they just know, you know, you won't cut your finger because it doesn't grow back and that sort of tough love type of thing, right? It's potentially the least of the worries as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cutting a finger in the middle of war is definitely the least of the worries. But I think this is actually where sports and the playfulness and sort of, you know, finding joy in the midst of, of the, the biggest disasters, you know, you just can do it. And, um, and uh, I see for my kids over here, I feel a bit sorry. They, uh, one less like, and my teenage daughter, you know, thinks the world is finishing, you know, and I think my generation, I think having been brought up, you know, an analog in, in deprivation, dealing with a you know sort of this digital age of the world feels almost a breeze right so and they they sort of grew up digital and i think one less like you know is a problem and while i had to you know get an empty can to build a car you know they, they get an order from amazon delivered so uh, you know different world different problems you know can't compare can't compare suffering <laughs> but <laughs> it's quite a different perspective but does that i mean you know for someone who started their own company especially going that hardware route does that give, did that give you a different perspective on like how you actually spent the money because presumably there wasn't much although there's you know it's a, a wealthy country like you say with the diamonds presumably there wasn't much money around with the uh with us in the midst of a civil war it's true. So I think my investors know that I am very conservative with, with money that I've raised and I can make sort of, um, I guess, to stick to the theme, diamonds out of, you know, of, of nothing. Um, both because I've got the technical skills and the drive, but uh, I think also because I don't think, sometimes it's not about how much money you spend. Sometimes it is, but often actually it's not how much money you, you, you spend. It's sort of you know, there are other ways to get to what you want. So I'm very conservative with money, but um, I've got a team with now eight people, four of us are full-time. And so, you know, obviously there is some money spent. Spending wisely also means that, I mean, whether it's for me and my background of, I think is actually the case from any entrepreneur, is that learning that skill and, and thinking about how can you make the most out of your money? Do I need a senior or do I need a junior? And can can I go through four juniors and find that rising superstar, and that will will sort of will sort of actually be better than at this stage where everything is sort of malleable, things are changing. Instead of having a senior sort of you know fixed views on how software should be built, etc. So I think it does. Maybe it is me being conservative with money, but I think I actually don't have huge amount. I mean, the investment has been good but it is not it's not going to make team sports sort of you know um um success that investment per se it's really sort of the execution side of it and sometimes it's, i think it's less about i don't know how much money you spend in order to achieve that execution um in some cases i, I think it's that's the case so i'm very conservative with money uh, and i can make it make it last for as long as as possible but uh, i think that is testament of sort of some of our um, our back, our mobile developer, you know, is an amazing developer. A junior, first time writing code, and you know, some of the thing that you see on the app is mostly his his work. A graphic designer, also fresh out of uni, and and for me, I was given a job as a software engineer, not having any experience uh, in Portugal. So someone literally said, "Yep, you want to do it? Do it." And I've learned sort of to program properly and professionally that on a job. 
with absolutely no experience and no one put me in a little junior box sort of thing. I'm sort of a big believer that actually this could be an opportunity to other people like it was for me as well. And, and it helps because by giving that opportunity, you find someone that really buys into your vision, someone that is young and malleable and wants to learn. It also means I will spend less money in the process and, and actually reach the same outcome as I would do potentially with, with a senior. So. So, so you've definitely found more uh, success in cycling through those junior engineers, like you say, to find the, the right one rather than going after a more senior person. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yes, yeah, so it's sort of a MVP of teams. So, <laughs> you know, so I think, you know, finding the right people is difficult. It's very difficult. Was there a particular experience you had where you had you had hired someone with a you know a very set in their ways and it didn't work out? No, how many? That's the question. So, <laughs> so yeah, so there has been many people that came and went through Team Sports. You know, though we sort of in life and you know three, two years and a half of sort of this existence, sort of bringing in people along. No, but we have had more people that came in and left uh, either because you know they you know, startup life and sort of having this as a side hustle was too much for them and lifestyle didn't, didn't, didn't work, which is fine. But also because, you know, at this stage, when you've got two or three people, they're high performed and, and sort of they truly believe this and they put all their whole, you can, you can notice the third one not doing the same. You know, it's very noticeable. And that is very difficult to reconcile in a team uh, that small. Um, maybe when you've got 100 plus employees, those differences sort of are not as noticeable. At the moment, it is. So um, I am a believer that for, foremost, I want to work with people that want to work with me and want to work in team sports. You know, we, I, anyone can learn to code, anyone can learn project management, anyone can learn everything else. If you want to do it, that for me is, is the best hire. If you don't want to do it, it's going to become noticeable and that's fine. Sort of, we, we, can, we can move in part ways and find cycle through someone else that actually wants to do it. Yeah. There's a very strong theme of teams in, in, in your career, including the fact that you know, your company has the name team in it. Um, but, but I wonder if some of that comes from, uh, from, you know, your, your upbringing as well. Like again, in the midst of war, um, you know, if you are, I presume that's going to bring you closer together as a community of, you know, you are on one side or the other. Uh, is that, is that a theme that strikes all the way through into, you know, your leadership, um, doing technical program management, scrum mastery, uh, all of that sort of stuff. And then right the way through to, to now. I think it is, look, I, I'm, I'm an Angolan. So, uh, family is a strong bond, um, in, in Angola and our concept of families extends beyond sort of the, the blood relatives, uh, which sort of restrict sort of the concept of family in uh, in in certain countries for us i have uncles and cousins which are not my cousins or my uncles whatsoever so the concept of family you know is a bit is a bit broader than that and i it, for sure that's sort of how i was brought up and this is this is in me sort of you know seeing and and starting from a place of trust which is what do you do with your family uh, you know, starting with a with a sort of a you know, my house is your house, and you know, if I can feed two, I can feed four. I think definitely that is something that in me and in in my culture and my background that that I bring into team sports is sort of our core values. So uh, you come in, come into a place of trust. You have got access to to information that arguably some people might say you know 
a junior developer should know about you know the budgeting and where the money is being spent but it's like why not no i don't see why not and i you know and i think controlling information that sort of top-down control is obviously not an agile thing it's not a, a place that i would like to work and uh, i worked for 22 businesses in uk and and, and i know what bad looks like I really do know what bad looks like. After 22 businesses, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, I know what bad looks like. So so for me, I, I want in sports to be sort of the, almost a utopian place that I, I wish existed. And, 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 and admittedly enough, I worked for business that were like that. They had strong values and had values like start with trust and openness and sort of um, and treat people as people foremost, um, et cetera. You know, as team sports grows, you know, how much we're going to be able to retain of those values um, is, is, is questionable. I, I, I want and I will do everything in my power to make sure that that continues to be sort of the culture and the values, you know, that potentially stem from me and my background and my upbringing or because of my professional experience and, you know, understanding what what a, a bad work environment and sort of a, you know, a bad team, you know, set up, et cetera, looks like. And so and now I want it to do differently. I don't know what is what is the answer and what is the reason, nurture and nature, etc. But um, I really want in sports to be that place where, if you are part of it, you sort of part of it, and you you've got the opportunities that that I had myself. And if you don't want to, you know that that's okay. You know there are plenty of other business out there. In fact, business they can definitely pay uh, vastly more than team sports can pay. But that also means that the people that are here, you know, uh, my marketing manager, I mean. She's she's amazing. She's she's just like a, a gem, and uh, and uh, so yeah. So I think that is a little bit of it is me and my culture and my background and my upbringing. Uh, you know, my sports career, my professional experience. I often say, literally, team sport is my profession and sort of my uh, my passion, all mixed together into something. But because truly, is that. That's really nice. That's really cool. On that note, then, like, where are you seeing the kind of future of the platform? You've mentioned a few things that are in the works and what you where you want to go. What can we expect in the next kind of like six, three to six months of the of the product? I think um, we expect next is that uh, we're going to continue onboarding more and more amateur teams. Uh, I think more likely that we will land. Uh, first in basketball because of sort of the, the influence that I have and the industry that I know well and the sports that I know well um, more than anything else. But we do have, you know, um, football teams and netball teams and hockey teams in the platform. So we're going to see that um, what we offering for amateur teams won't be sort of a novelty. It's sort of who, what, what is that? So, and I think in a long term, team sports will become the default platform where any grassroots sports will start. So they will start in a platform and they will grow, you know, with their needs because the platform is that single place um, that address most of their problems. We are starting our subscriptions um, this year. So we've got about a thousand plus players in a platform already since last year, 200 players just since um, beginning of December um, to, to the end of January. So we keep seeing, you know, the adoption, you know, growing exponentially which is fantastic and the word start to spread where teams come on board or the coach come to us and say, oh, you're working with this. I'm interested in this, etc." And we're going to enable our subscriptions. So uh, I think this year we will be able to demonstrate that true market traction, not sort of the freemium market traction, the 
and then uh, in the medium to long term um, raise um, some some investment uh, further investment uh, than we did and do this properly and, and scale properly so half of our investors are already in us so there's a big pool for us businesses in sports that want to tap into our sort of licensing and our api model but of course when you present it with those opportunities it's easy to run around but you know it's just a handful of us and we need to really stay grounded so we value a lot more so the coaches that we currently have working with us developing the product interrogating and, and learning as we enable our subscriptions and i hope that won't affect our growth as much and once this is um a product in a business sense sort of where we land we can start expanding into other more sports more seriously and and other territories if that is the case and and then because we built the technology the way we built then potentially other industries like physio and rehab and other areas nice i think that was a great conversation i'm ready to kind of wrap up but i, I wanted to ask if there's anything that you wanted to cover uh which you wanted to kind of touch on no, we, we covered everything. I think uh, I think that developing technology with a human context is not something that we see so often out there, and uh, we we tried to do some of that and uh, and not steer our technology in sort of what could be perceived in cool ways of building tech um, solutions, if that means you know losing sort of that human context. And I definitely you know that's something that needs to be out there, food for thought for everyone. Is sort of how can we change the mindset you know for sports become more sort of as a human right so, so everyone should have access to sports um, and everyone should benefit of the outcomes of, of physical activity and the biggest barrier uh, the primary barrier to that is price and then you can dive deep into, into leadership and our lifestyle and sort of uh, you know the five day a week work and sort of you know there are so many other things but but that is something that i think that fundamentally that i think would be a very nice, maybe a bit philosophical conversation to have in, a, in another episode of the podcast. So we can sort of question sort of our existence sort of thing. But I think that is something that, that needs to be done more of. And we often adopt technologies and those technologies fail to persist with us because they lack of their human context. I can name any wearable and I'm sure you guys own a wearable of some sorts and you know sort of was highly used and, and then sort of disappeared because it lacked their human context but yeah i think there's something to be said about that well for a, for a show called that tech show we obviously lean heavily <laughs> on the tech side but you're absolutely right i think we need to we need to be rooted in in that human connection and that we're all different where every everything we do everyone operates in different ways and and we need to be in tune with that rather than just kind of letting the algorithms run wild you know i agree yeah yeah i agree but no this is fantastic thank you for having me no worries thank you so much for being on the show yeah thanks for joining us well thank you francisco remember if you're interested in learning more that's teamsports.pro so that's team sports with a z instead of an s uh, or a z in your uh, if you're in the united states and uh, that's dot pro teamsports.pro lovely yeah it's a cool little invention that uh, i'm looking forward to seeing where it goes and kind of how it develops yeah me too so um next week well next week we have anders andreen and he is the uh, ceo of urbanista uh, urbanista they're a headphone company and he'll be talking to us all about their their solar powered headphones would you believe it very cool looking forward to that it's pretty cool talk 
So see you next week. As usual, if you like the show, give us a five-star review on Apple. Uh, like us where you find us on social media, Twitter and LinkedIn mostly. And uh, head on over to That Tech Show to find all of our episodes. We've got plans for the site there. So do keep checking back working hard on that uh, and if you have any recommendations as well or comments or thoughts then drop us a line on our website we have a contact oh yeah and Sam, Sam's put some, uh, some some new branding out there as well so uh, give oh, us yes. a shout if you like the new branding oh yeah because uh, so, we'll be spreading the branding will be spreading yeah I need to update most of everything so uh, yeah you need to get some professional photos done Chris then oh no <laughs> we'll sort that out <laughs> yeah alright next week see you next week Bye.